Welcome to another episode of Running for the Roses. It is President's Day. Uh, Lucas and I are excited to be back talking some college football after a week off. Uh, Lucas, how's life in Nashville, buddy? It is good. You know, President's Day is my my unofficial favorite holiday. No, I'm really? Just kidding. No, no. <laughs> um, it's the first time the first time I've ever had this day off. To be perfectly honest with you, um, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, but no, it's been great. Um, it feels like winter is finally ending yeah. here. Um, it's beautiful today. It's about 60 degrees outside. Can see some uh, low like trees and bushes start to pop leaves again and yeah. stuff like that. Um, it's a little more humid out, so uh, I'm excited for uh, for warmer uh, for warmer weather. And we got spring football and stuff like that, which is right on the horizon too. Yeah, I know a couple schools usually start in February. Most of the schools will start right around the middle of March, and then spring March, games yeah. really start early April and kind of go all that month. Um, the spring game concept is is, is always interesting because just how teams do it differently. I mean, it kind of mm-hmm. seems like college teams are taking the NFL approach where, like, a lot of them aren't even having games anymore. They just kind of like, – it's like a glorified scrimmage. Um, it used to always be, like, a Saturday thing, and now it's like a lot of teams do it Thursday or Friday so they can get TV exposure. Um, ASU is actually doing theirs. I think it's a really good idea. It's, I forget which weekend exactly, but it's the same weekend of patch run. It's like the same day of patch run. So it's like patch run in the morning. And then the, the hope is people will kind of stick around and they'll be able to do, you know, hopefully have, I don't know, 10, 20,000 people, um, at the spring game. So, and ASU has a thousand new players. So they may, they may actually play a game. (laughs) I was going to say, are they actually going to play, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Dillingham's released what the format will be. Um, obviously, most teams don't really tackle. Um, most teams, you know, running clock. A lot of it is situational now. You know, they'll, they'll do their first and second down stuff. And then the next segment nice. will be, you know, red zone or goal line, whatever. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. So what do you know yeah. when Wisconsin starts? Yes, they just announced it last week. It'll be August or April 22nd. Uh, because they used to do kind of similar to, to Pat's run. We always have, at the end of April, we have, it's called Crazy Leg, the Crazy Legs Classic, which is okay. kind of the same thing. It's like a 10K, uh, like, run. And they used to usually put that on the same day. They're not doing that this year. Um, they're doing it a week before. But uh, they're calling it the launch. Um, uh, so, because they're launching into a, a new God, era. Um, I, I, and it I, is... Oh, go ahead. I love the first year head coach like the recruiting hashtag and the the, all the marketing on the billboards like schools will always do like the hometown heroes like they'll put the billboards across the state and stuff yep it's like a it's just like a it's it's a it's like paramount thing for every new uh every new coach hey you only get to do it once so uh at least for that head coach but um no, I'm interested to see what they do. They've already stated it probably won't be a game. More likely it'll be – the first hour will be like a practice, and then they'll probably scrimmage for the last hour or so. Um, but uh, what's interesting is after that, they're still going to have two more practices. So um, sometimes – a lot of times, you know, the spring game or this big open practice is the end of the, the spring practice. However, they're going to use two more practices afterwards. Um to yeah. kind of clean up some stuff and but uh but no it, it should be fun um it'll be the first time wisconsin's having anything since 2019 so um because COVID happened in 2020 2021 they still couldn't do it because of COVID. and then last year 
uh, they were doing renovation work to Camp Randall Stadium, mm. so they couldn't even play um, yeah. uh, in the stadium or have anyone in there. So, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. But, yeah, the launch, um, for those who haven't heard, is coming April 22nd. Yeah, can't, I'm excited. Can't wait. All right, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into some college football here. We're going to go over some news and notes here at the start of the pod focusing a little bit on the Pac-12 and, and kind of what the future of that conference looks like as it expansion rumors are abound uh, from John Wilner, focusing on a Mountain West team and an American team. Uh, the big chunk of the pod, though, Lucas and I will be diving into the Big Ten future scheduling. We've teased it the last couple episodes. Lucas and I uh, did the exercise. We put every team, uh, gave them three permanent opponents for like kind of like a three six six model. Um, some other pods are doing that. We've seen it with the SEC and, and Lucas and I are going to experiment, have a, a fun little time kind of matching up uh, the Big Ten teams for their future schedules, which will come, I believe, in 2024. Uh, Lucas, let's start with some some kind of news and notes here. A couple things I want to get into. An article this morning, actually, from SI's Ross Dellinger titled, College Football Executives Considering Four Changes to Shorten Games. And Lucas saw this article and, and I, I, it was immediately right up my alley because I've been saying on this podcast uh, legitimately for years, it seems like, college football games need to be shorter. Three and a half, four-hour games are becoming the norm, even in like the Big Ten when it's like 17 to 12, mm-hmm. Iowa versus Purdue. And you're like, why is this? Why is the game that I want to watch at 3.30 on FS2? And I, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, or like, why, why do I have to watch ASU on ESPN News because the Alabama-Mississippi State game, which is 31 to 0, has gone over by 20 minutes. So um, I'm going to read you uh, the four proposals that college football executives, I don't exactly know who's going to be voting for this, um, but the uh, the college football, you know, whoever will decide this, they'll, they'll be voting on some of, of these proposed changes. And then, Lucas, I'll get your uh, thoughts on them. So uh, we have four potential changes. Uh, prohibiting consecutive timeouts, uh, such as like icing kickers, uh, no longer extending a first or third quarter for an untimed down if the quarter ends on a defensive penalty. Uh, I could probably tell you, count on the number of times on one hand, the number of times I've actually seen this. See that? Uh, so, like, <laughs> the prohibiting consecutive timeouts thing, like, might happen once or twice oh, for a team. So I do have a story. You mentioned Iowa-Purdue taking three and a half hours. The one time I did see this happen, I was at an Iowa-Wisconsin game in Iowa City and Kirk Ferentz called three consecutive timeouts <laughs> to ice our kicker before the half. And it was – no one knew what was going on. Like, they would just line up, and then all of a sudden it was – but, yeah, I'm all for that rule because that yeah. is immediately stupid. Um, the first two, I, it sounds like from this article, are not very controversial and will will likely be passed. These are, are the other two. Um Clock continuing to run after an offense gains a first down, except inside of two minutes and a half. So this is like the NFL rule, right? The NFL, Mm -hmm. once you get a first down, you don't stop the clock to spot the ball and move the chains. You just keep running the clock. Uh, The last one, which I think is interesting, probably the most controversial, the clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play. Lucas, I'll, I'll toss this out to you. Your thoughts on some of these proposed changes. So I really do like the first two. I already mentioned kind of how dumb it is that you can do consecutive timeouts um, in a game. It's like, okay, you should have enough time to get your play. And the NFL doesn't allow that either. Um, so I think that's an easy one. I think the first one you described too, it's same thing with me. I probably can list maybe a couple of times that I've actually seen that. Act. I didn't even know that was a rule, to be honest with you. Um, 
because I've seen it so less. The last two are, are interesting. I think I can get I'm okay with the the third rule because the fact is the clock would still stop after a first down. I believe it's under two minutes in each half. Correct. So I like that rule. They don't do that in the NFL. Um, the NFL, you just get the two minute warning, and then the clock is a running clock unless you have timeouts. Um, I just like that in the college game. I think it's it's a neat rule. It creates excitement in the last uh, at the ends of games, um, and also it rewards you for having a, a good play um, as well as that the clock at least stops until they spot the ball. Um, so I would be fine with that under two minutes because, um, like you said, um, really the rest of the game it's not really that big of a deal. The the huge different or the the biggest change I think is that last rule that you mentioned where. Yeah. Even on an incomplete pass, the clock would still run when you have a running clock. So I'm about to plug the XFL, um, but they they do this. So I, the XFL came on this week. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's just fun, dumb fun. But uh, they actually have this rule implemented in the XFL. And it is weird. Like, it takes a little bit to get used to. Like, yeah. the, the ball's incomplete, they spot it, and then the clock's already running again. To me, this is going to affect, like when you watch, when I was watching those games, a lot of those teams are still running kind of pro-style-ish offenses. And it feels like their offenses take forever because um, they're losing so much clock, even on incomplete passes. Um, and it will run off fewer plays, which I believe that is kind of the main thing they want to, is they want to limit the exposure especially with an expanded playoff, you're going to be adding with, for some teams, two to three games um, to the season. So it's to limit exposure. Um, so I think it could work. I think that one's going to be a, a really drastic change. And I think you're going to be punishing teams without you even really knowing it, um, especially teams that don't go no huddle. Um, it's going to drastically, you're, I think they said probably about seven to 10 plays a game. It's going to go down, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when, some of those teams are only running maybe 50 to 60 plays a game. Yeah, it's like 20% uh, of your plays, right? 20, yeah. 15, 20% of your plays. Yeah. So, and in my, but my thing is, and I was telling you this before the pod is, are we really doing this for player safety and for, for games to get shorter? Or is this to say that you're making games shorter so that you can still cater to your media partners? Like, Hey, yeah. we're still lowering exposure for these kids while adding on games. But we're also making sure that our TV partners are still getting all of their time in these new windows, too. Um, I guess they are trying to cater for both, but I don't know. I think it's I think it's drastically changing the game when it doesn't need it. Like I said, I think the first three rules, I think, will pass fine. That fourth one, though, I think changes things pretty considerably. And is it really going to change? Like you were mentioning, like, it almost doesn't even matter what it used to be kind of like a big 12, you know, those rarely pass happy teams were going four hours, but you mentioned now we're seeing like even big 10 games, like a Wisconsin, Minnesota game go almost four hours. I think if anything, the college football needs to look more at like how they do reviews, um, targeting, like all they have reviews for everything. And I think those bog down games more than the actual play on the field, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And I was just going to say that, right? I mean, first of all, college football, if if you want to really shorten games, first of all, I don't buy the player safety aspect at all, right? It's just, it's just like the NFL talks about player safety. Yeah. You're putting games on Thursday and Friday now and Saturday. Yeah. Like, 
it, it, this is about money. And, and this is, I, I, I'm just willing to bet a lot of networks and a lot of fans are like, Hey, we, we can't start these big games. Like we're already pushing the kickoff time back 10, 15 minutes. We can't start our big, you know, CBS game on CBS, you know, Paramount plus or like whatever, right? Like we, we can't keep starting big games on ESPN news and ESPN two. Um, I think the first three rules should pass. And I, I, and I don't think you'll see a lot of impact on the games. I don't think they'll look mm-hmm. very right. The only difference would be the clock doesn't stop after a first down, which I think would streamline some games. The article says it would only take like seven to 10 minutes off of games. Like I, I feel like it would, it would just up the pace a little bit better. Yeah. Right? Um, but the, the latter point you had about the reviews, like that's the big thing, right? If you really want to increase the pace of games, make institute a coaches challenge system. Make it so you can only challenge things. Make it so we're not reviewing, um, you know, whether the ball was spotted right on third and one, and it's either going to be a first down or it's going to be second and one. Like, mm-hmm. why are we reviewing this? Why are we, why are we reviewing the catch five times a game? Like only instant, like institute a coach's challenge, like the NFL does, or you know, the booth has to the booth has to call for a review inside of two minutes. Like, make the NFL model also. Halftime is longer than the NFL, and a lot mm-hmm. of that's because of the marching bands. And I get that you don't want to lose that, but you can guess what? You could shorten a TV timeout by thirty seconds, right? How many times? I mean, these TV timeouts. You know, you go to more games than I do, but like, you'll go to these games and you see the guy on the sideline hold up the big timer. It's like three and a half minutes, and it feels like an eternity when you're sitting mm-hmm. inside the stadium for that long. Um, college football still has the rule where you could do touchdown, extra point, TV timeout, kickoff, TV timeout eliminate that like the nfl got away with that like four years ago so there are simple measures that you could implement that would actually shorten games you don't have to because i do think to your point changing the rule like that fourth rule of the incomplete pass the clock starts again on the when the ball spot i think that would alter the game a little bit i think you would Mm -hmm. as a viewer i think you would feel that i think it would be very weird the first year or two i think you'd get used to it like like everything else yeah First three rules, easy, implement them. I think they would streamline the game a little bit. But the big thing, like you said, the reviews, the target. I mean, we get two or three target reviews at least per game. We get another two or three just like the ball spot, inbounds, out of bounds. Is it a catch? Is it not a catch? I mean, I'll never forget. I was watching a Wake Forest Army game two years ago, and Army did an onside kick, and it was recovered by Wake Forest. And yet they reviewed to see if there was like illegal touching on army. <laughs> and it was like, no, like guys, it, we, we don't have to do that. Like wake recovered. Yeah. Why are we reviewing if there's a, like, like stuff like that, just like get rid of that stuff. No, I agree. And one of the things that I thought the NFL, there was an article that came out a few weeks ago, the NFL instituted this year. It was like almost like an instant review. So like with close calls, they have basically someone that's watching like in New York is watching every game um, or one, they have one like new ref that's assigned per game yeah. and for like little things like um, like measurements or if it was an incomplete pass and things like that, they're whistling in to the on-field ref like, Hey, change this call. We don't need to review like one. Um, it helped pace a play because you didn't have refs like huddling every time to discuss something. Um, Cause I believe they did it for penalties too. Um, and then also it saved coaches challenges. So that was less reviews that coaches had to do because they were overturning them on the field quicker. Yeah. Um, and I think they said it shaved on average. It was like over, it was almost 15 minutes per ball game. Um, and it's just like, we're, we're talking about, 
you know, some of these leagues like the Big Ten is going to be making over a billion dollars a year. Like, just invest and make your game better instead of doing other stuff that I don't think necessarily has that in the best regard. But yeah, I think it's the reviews. And you mentioned like the commercials. Um, yeah, being at games is there's so much dead period at football games when you're there in person um, that you don't notice. Cause when you're at home, you can just change it to another channel in between commercials and gameplay. Yep. But when you're at games, sometimes it's like, you're just like yawning cause there's just nothing happening for minutes at end. But and it, it, this like last thing on this, it's, it, it has made the in-game atmosphere for college football really rough mm-hmm. in certain points. Cause it's one thing to sit there in front of your television for four hours it's another thing to sit in a stadium. Maybe it's hot. Maybe it's cold. Maybe you can't go to the bathroom. Maybe the bathroom line. Like it's, the it's it's made me not want to go to college football games. And partly because the, yeah. the ASU stadiums half full every game. But you know, <laughs> even if I were to go to a big time school like in the SEC or in the Big Ten where you had a great atmosphere, like you're gonna be sitting out there in the freezing cold in November for four hours. Like good luck. So yeah. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on because we still got a couple things to get to here. Let, let's touch quickly on the state of the Pac-12, which just continues to be in disarray. George Klykoff has tried his best to kind of right this ship, but so far they have no media deal. You have no uh, incoming schools to replace USC and UCLA. But let's touch on two of the programs. This is from John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News. Um, Quote, university presidents have discussed SMU and San Diego State as expansion candidates during a meeting last week and approved Commissioner George Klykoff taking the next step in the complicated process of adding membership according to sources with knowledge of the meeting. Sources emphasized that the approval was informal in nature. The presidents did not vote to add specific schools. Expansion viewed as highly likely. Lucas, this really stems on the fact that, according to multiple reports, the Pac-12's media deals are just not going well. Negotiations are not going well. They're going to have to likely be the first conference to institute a major streaming partner, like put a lot of games on either Amazon or Apple or ESPN Plus, like wherever. Um, the Big Ten we talked about last late last year got their deal, all their ducks in a row. Um, working with, they took over the CBS 330 window. They got an NBC primetime game, um, really did well in that conference. The Pac-12 just hasn't find, found footing, and I get it. Your two biggest market, the, the biggest market is gone, LA. Your two, you two, I mean, I don't know if UCLA is a huge brand, certainly in basketball and, you know, really good baseball program, but football not so much. But certainly your biggest football brand has left. And the options to replace them are just they're not great. I mean, San Diego mm-hmm. state, um, Boise state obviously is a name that always gets tossed around in the PAC 12 just because of where it is geographically. SMU makes sense because of the Dallas market, but geographically it's really not a great fit for the PAC 12. So what are, what are your thoughts kind of on where this is trending for the league as a whole? I mean, it's not shocking. I think San Diego state, we've always kind of hinted as kind of the obvious probably one just because one, they've invested a lot in their football program. It's been a really good football program for the better part of the last decade. Really strong basketball program as well um, over the last 10 to 15 years. And it's in Southern California. So it it's not going to fill the void left by UC, USC and UCLA, but at least you still have a presence in that part of the country that's going to be important for you. And then you mentioned you know SMU. You know, we were talking when you know, Texas and Oklahoma first lost or first left for the SEC. 
we were talking about that the Pac-12 should have probably gone after TCU uh, to get into you know the Dallas-Fort Worth market. And I think that's kind of your same thinking with SMU. It gets you now, and you would be in three time zones, I guess. So it allows you to play games potentially at different times um, when they're in Dallas, or in, I guess I should, yeah, SMU's in Dallas, yes. Um, correct. correct. TCU's in Fort Worth. But anyway, same difference. But I think it, to me, it's kind of, you're kind of grasping. If it were me, I would go just go weird and just go with bigger brands. I think Boise State's a much better football brands i think you're going to get more eyeballs on an oregon boise state game than you would on an oregon smu game but obviously dallas fort worth has a much bigger market you get into texas too so maybe that helps you know schools like asu utah who have a colorado who have a huge history of recruiting in texas it opens uh that door as well i think the bottom line is great there weren't going to be any great options the pac-12 was not going to pry any other Power Five schools or any other powerful brands, and to be fair, they got out dealt by the they got out outhanded by the Big Twelve. The yeah. Big Twelve got their four teams, got a pretty good mar- or a pretty good TV deal um, that kind of solidifies that conference. Um, so, like you mentioned, I think it's the best of probably the the worst options, but it's still not putting the Pac twelve in a position of strength. And I, and I think the big thing is what you brought up at the end of that was they got outmaneuvered by the Big 12, especially with, like, BYU. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at who the pack, who the Big 12 added. They added Orlando with UCF. They added Houston with the University of Houston. They added Cincinnati with the University of Cincinnati. And then they added BYU, which has a huge national following. Like, BYU fits so much better in the Pac-12. Could you imagine if the Pac-12 added Boise and BYU? It's yeah. a really good geographical fit. You could you could partner them because the the Pac-12 for their basketball and Olympic sports likes to kind of partner schools. ASU, you, you know, ASU, U of A, the the Bay Area schools, mm-hmm. the Washington schools, like et cetera, um, and and they just got completely outmaneuvered. And the Big Twelve signed their TV deal first, right? So the the if you if you're the Pac-12, like I had talked about, could the Pac-12 maybe take that SEC 330 window from on CBS? Could could they sign a deal with NBC? But like that, that stuff's taken now. Like the Big Twelve took some of their conference, uh, some of the teams that they may have added. The Big Ten took some of their TV slots that have been opened up by the SEC moving to ESPN. The Pac twelve's just stuck, and I'm sorry, I don't think the league has a very good future. I think it's much more likely that this league gets broken up, and the Big Twelve takes. ASU, U of A, Colorado, and Utah, and builds kind of a 16-team conference like the SEC and the Big Ten will be. Because see the Big Ten wanting Cal and Stanford for more of a a Bay Area footprint for the academic prestige of a Stanford and a Cal. Or Oregon and Stanford, like whoever it is, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I just think that is far more likely than the Pac-12 adding two more teams. And let's face it, I don't know if this is going to be a power conference. And the Pac-12 doesn't really operate like a power conference anymore, not in their media deals, not in their exposure. Like, I still can't watch Pac-12 Network in Arizona. Like, the carriage issues, the, you know, I'm watching, I was watching some ASU baseball this weekend, and, like, the stream freezes a lot, and the signal goes out, and it, it looks like it's a high school production. And You know, like, no offense to those people there, but, like, you watch a game on SEC Network Plus or on ESPN Plus, and it's an SEC game, or it just looks better. And so... Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 just hasn't put the resources in. And I also, I mean, when the Pac-12 expanded, they focused on big markets, right? Salt Lake City, the Denver area. And 
that has been, I think, part of the reason is the Pac-12 has a lot of programs in not college towns, in, in big cities, and they get lost, except for like USC. Like ASU gets lost here because when the Suns are good and the Cardinals are good, like ASU football is going to be third best at best. Same thing with Washington and Seattle, right? Same thing with, you know, Utah, I think is a little different because Salt Lake doesn't have the pro teams, but I had mentioned to you guys, to to you and Blaine this morning, like, I wonder, does UNLV make a lot of sense, right? You get the Las Vegas market. It's a bit better of a geographical fit. Vegas is blowing up. They have a professional hockey team. They have a professional football team. They'll probably get a basketball team here soon. Pac-12 does a lot of business in Vegas with their basketball tournament and their conference championship game. Um, I just, I just, I just don't know if they can, if they can fix this. The network is a mess. Um, it doesn't seem like the media deal, like, is they're going to get at all close to what they want. So, unfortunately, for a, a you know, my school's in the in the Pac-12. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get the future that they want. Yeah. And that's why I'm surprised that, especially if they're going with a large streaming deal, why I just don't do markets matter as much in a streaming deal with Apple TV plus or with Amazon. Um, just because you're not having to fill cable boxes. Um, yeah. Anybody can access them, but. We'll see. Um, I told you kind of before we recorded, I wanted to touch on this because I, I think we're a couple months away from really finding out what happens here. All right, Lucas, let's get to the fun part now. This is something that we have been uh, wanting to do for a really couple months now. We kind of joked about it, like we should just try to set some of these new uh, conference schedules, right? The SEC transitioning to 16 teams expected to uh, announce kind of a new schedule structure the Big Ten, I believe, has already announced a new schedule structure for 24. We don't know what that is quite yet. Most people believe that most of these leagues will go to a 3-6-6 model, a 3-5-5 model. That's what the ACC has done for this year, where you basically have three permanent rivals, or I guess permanent as in the next couple of years, you will play these teams every mm-hmm. year, keeping in keeping in play traditional rivals, uh, geographical rivals, division rivals, stuff like that. And then... Uh, you will play the other six teams. You will play six teams one year, six teams the next year, right? So for the Big Ten, you have sixteen. You have 15 other teams in your league. Three of them you'll play every year. Six you'll play one year. Six you'll play the next. Three, six, six adds up to 15. So essentially in a four-year cycle, you'll play three teams four years, and you'll play everyone else twice. Mm-hmm. So because of this, you have to have three permanent opponents in a four-year cycle or just three permanent opponents um, in general. So Lucas and I are going to, we, we both did this. I saw yours a couple weeks ago. I think you saw mine a couple weeks ago. I don't really remember what you had and I don't have yours up in front of me. So I have mine. Um, this was, a, this was a, a, a interesting exercise. Uh, some of these that we'll get to here quickly are, are easy. Um, and then some of these you have to kind of finagle and, and see what makes sense travel wise, what makes sense. Um, some teams are a lot easier than others, right? I yeah. should say. Yes. So, all right. Uh, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, I completely agree. Like, especially the, the newcomers, not just UCLA and UCLA, or USC and UCLA, but like, freaking Rutgers and Purdue, like, Maryland. who the heck, yeah, Maryland, or not Purdue, uh, Rutgers, Maryland, even Penn State a little bit. Um, they've been in the league for 30 plus years, but compared, yeah. but the conference is 130 years old. So they're basically like a toddler still. 
Um, yeah. But uh, it was interesting, but it was a fun exercise. It was just fun getting, I was just getting excited just seeing what potential matchups we could be seeing happening, Yeah, uh, which was really cool. All right, so Lu- uh, Lucas and I are going to get the obvious ones out of the way, the obvious kind of matchups uh, out of yeah. the way, and then we'll kind of dive into team by team here. So mm-hmm. Ohio State, Michigan. Yep. Um, I have Wisconsin, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I have Illinois Northwestern. Yep. I have USC UCLA. Mm-hmm. I have Purdue and Indiana. Yes. And then those I think are the are the obvious of the obvious, right? The 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 easy A ones. Here are are I think a couple more that I had and I want to get your take on as our resident Big Ten expert. I have Nebraska and Iowa. Um, yes. That's a game that, that is played Black Friday every year. I think the last handful of years, and I think they've tried to kind of make that a rival. That is a game that I think the Big Ten really wants to create a rivalry, and I think it's great for both teams because Nebraska—they've only been in the Big Ten now; it'll be 13 years. They need to me—they need like a Colorado or an Oklahoma, a team on their schedule every year. And that's really become Iowa, and Iowa the same thing. Iowa has obviously budding rivalries with Wisconsin and Minnesota, but neither one of those teams consider Iowa their number one rival. So I think I agree with you. That's a game that I think is going to say they play, they play on Black Friday yeah. um, every year, and that's been kind of a, a staple of the Big Ten scheduling since uh, Nebraska joined. So yeah, I, I would do. I would put that one in as well. So I have right now on my sheet that gives every Big Ten West team one opponent. And mm-hmm. the Big Ten East, I have Penn State, Michigan State, and Rutgers, Maryland. And I basically did Rutgers, Maryland because I didn't know, like those are the two teams that didn't have like a tier one rival. They play in the same division. They were, I think, added the same year, right, mm-hmm. uh, to the conference. So I, I, I put them as like a, a level one kind of like rival. And then Penn State, Michigan State, I, I just did. I know they – I think they play the, the, the last game of the year every year. Um, they're kind of the three and four teams in the East right now. They both had some success recently. Well, both have had – both have made the college football play – well, Penn State hasn't made the college football playoff, but both have had some success. So those are our, our, our opponents that I gave to each other that I'm not okay. necessarily sold on, but I think makes some sense. So I think Rutgers, Maryland makes a lot of sense. It's two newcomers. You need those East Coast teams, I think, playing each other just to have – their campuses are only three hours apart, so it's a drivable game. And the fact is they don't have any history with really anyone else in the Big Ten. Maryland a little bit with Penn State. They played them a lot when before Penn State had joined the Big Ten, but – I think they already play each other the last week of the season, I think uh, this past year and the previous couple of seasons. So I think that's a good one. I did not have Michigan State, Penn State. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad one. I don't think it's a bad one. So when I went, for me, Michigan State, their tier one I put was Michigan. Like I, I already have penciled in. So obviously I have Michigan playing Ohio State, but I have, Michigan also playing Michigan State every year. Now, for for well. what it's worth, I I have Michigan Michigan State as a as a crossover as well. I kind of theoretically put Michigan, I put Michigan State as Michigan's tier two opponent. And yes. I mean, I do think Michigan State Michigan like Michigan State is tier one for Michigan. Like Michigan yes. is tier one from like you know Michigan State. Um, I just kind of already given Michigan Ohio State, so I gotcha. put that second. But I I do have Michigan Michigan State playing. Uh, so like Michigan, I, I have Ohio State, Michigan State as well. Um, 
because I, I think you have to give Michigan both of those teams, right? Yes, yes. You have to. Um, so. It's the rivalries that are obviously Michigan-Ohio State, but Michigan-Michigan State. Like, you might have Michigan fans who might not care to play Michigan State every year, but every Michigan State fan is going to want to play Michigan <laughs> every year. Um, and they've been good. Like, and those have been great games. Um, like, I think Michigan, Michigan State, two years ago, um, that was the game Kenneth Walker just went off. That was, like, Fox's, like, fourth, like third or fourth best rated game uh, for the season. Um, so I do think that is a, a good one. I'll put, I'll put Penn State, Michigan State as a potential one when we get here further, because if you do that, then you're, you're already, um, I guess with the, they could add one. Um, but let's get through. What about, so who, who, who did you put for Penn State's first like opponent, Ohio State? I did. So okay. I did not that, give Ohio State Penn State. Okay. So but, that was, and that one, that one's debatable too. So there are some things I looked at this and I think this is, this is why this criteria is kind of weird. It's like, are you, are you trying to go for some sort of competitive balance or are you, are you just going bonkers and you're just like, we just want to get ratings like crazy. We want the best teams playing each year and things like that. The one thing uh, I, I, I do think of, I think with the playoff expanding, I think more teams will be – like if you're talking about a four-team playoff, I don't know why Ohio State says, hey, we don't want to play Penn State and Michigan every year. Yeah. Like we'll play Penn State every other year. We obviously will play Michigan every year. But like when I was listening to Cover 3 and they were doing this for the SEC, they said you have to keep in mind this, like the schools are going to have choices, right? Uh, schools are going to have a big say in this. But the conference and the TV partners are going to have a, also have a big say in this. And Ohio mm-hmm. State, Penn State is a big game every year. Yeah. So I am comfortable putting Ohio State as Penn State's tier one and giving Ohio State um, um, Penn State as well. I am too. And I just think, I think one, I think Penn State fans want to keep that game. I actually, I reached out to a, a buddy of mine down here who's an Ohio State alum. And he said, give me Michigan and Penn State every year, and then I don't care who our third person is. Um, I think that's just developed, especially over the years, that's developed into a pretty good rivalry. There's been some pretty classic games um, in that series. Um, And I think that's kind of developed. I think if you ask Penn State probably who they feel is their main rival in the Big Ten, they would probably say Ohio State. Ohio State or Michigan, I would say, for for Penn State. But. So the way I'm doing this is like I have a sheet open. I have my picks on the left, and then I'm putting I'm kind of putting our pod picks just so I can kind yes. of compare. Uh, all right, so right now we have every team has one opponent, and then mm-hmm. we have Ohio State and Michigan each with two. We have Ohio State with Michigan, Penn State, Michigan with Ohio State, Michigan State. You just want to finish Ohio State. I feel like we, like we could finish Ohio State and Michigan. I yeah, do feel like they're, they're going to probably need, quote, easier, like an easier game three. So I gave, yeah, so I gave, so this is where originally when I was thinking about it, I was trying to do like competitive balance. So I gave Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and then I gave them Illinois. um, Largely because uh, now if you want to go gangbusters, you could give them USC if you really wanted to to get crazy. Because I do think that is like a, I mean, that was, that's the reason why they, brought USC into the conference, I think is to have that matchup. Um, my thinking was if you want to give Ohio state, I wouldn't say an easier cause Illinois is on the up and up 
And that yeah. is like that is like the fifth longest running rivalry in the Big Ten, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, they played each other annually from like 1914 to 2003. Um, and they played for the second oldest trophy in the Big Ten, the, uh, the I Illini Bucks. I think it makes a lot of sense because Illinois right now has Northwestern, which, you know, Northwestern, as we've talked about in the past, very up, very down. They're going to yes. win 10 games or they're going to win two games. Um, and I think if you're Illinois, you probably also want Ohio State coming every other year to Champaign. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to be a big-time game for you. So I, I think Illinois would be okay with that as long as we kind of give them a, a middle tier uh, in their for their third opponent. So let's go ahead and pencil in Illinois – for Ohio State. So Ohio State, we have Michigan, Penn State, and Illinois. For Michigan then, are you thinking like a like a Rutgers? I initially gave Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Maryland. I don't know if Maryland is like too good to give Michigan. So are you thinking like a Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern uh, for Michigan? I gave them Minnesota. Um, okay. That's, that, that's a little bit trickier than I thought you were going to. Okay, um, go ahead. So the reason, I, so they have another, it, it's largely just because they have an old rivalry trophy. Now, it's been extremely one-sided. I think uh, Michigan's won it about 80% of the time. But they play for, um, is it the, not the Little Brown Jug? What? Yeah, I think it is. They play for the Little, the yeah, little yeah, Brown yeah. Jug. Um, and that was a long-standing rivalry for a long time in the Big Ten. They In the late 90s, they stopped making it an annual thing, but they still played like, I think it was like four out of six years they would play each other. So I gave them that one because for me, Minnesota, I have them playing uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa, um, as for sure, uh, two things. Um, and then I put Michigan just to ease Michigan. But that's that's where um, like that's where I get conflicted because it's like, are we are we going to do that for to renew old rivalries and for competitive balance or? do you want your best brands playing each other every year? Like, do you want Michigan going out West every other year to play a USC or UCLA? Um, I think as well. Here's so. the thing. I, I think Michigan would be, would have no problem playing Minnesota. I think Minnesota's mm-hmm. middle tier. Like if you break the big 10 up into tiers, I don't think they're the Illinois Northwestern Rutgers, Indiana tier. And I don't think they're the Ohio state, Penn state, you know, Wisconsin, like whatever that top tier is. So I think, I think it's, but I, I just, I don't know if Minnesota is going to sign up to play Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And Michigan. <laughs> like, away Iowa from Minnesota and give like Minnesota, like Northwestern or, or Rutgers or well, like, you know, UCLA maybe. Yeah. I, th- I think it's that. So I'll leave that up to you. Do you want to keep Iowa from Minnesota or do you want to keep yes. Michigan? I, I think Iowa Minnesota that like has that's like a has to happen game. They've played each other almost 120 times. Um, that is they play and they play for the Floyd of Rosedale, which is I think it's probably the second best trophy behind the uh, Paul Bunyan's axe. Um, like to me, like like that is like Iowa Minnesota was Iowa Minnesota Wisconsin. I think those three teams should be playing each other every year. But that's also the Big Ten homer in me. But I do think, like, Minnesota, like, number one, they want to play Wisconsin. Number two, they want to play Iowa. Um, okay. So I originally had for Minnesota, I, I had them playing Ohio State because I was, I kind of had, I, mm. I, I, I honestly didn't, like, I don't know a lot about the, the, the middling, like, Big Ten rivalries like you do. Um, so I, I kind of had in the same 
light, like in the same tier, Minnesota playing one of the Ohio State or Michigans. I, I gave Minnesota, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and, and Ohio State. I kind of forgot about Iowa. Um, I gave Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and uh, UCLA. But let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So I, let, let's let's give um, Michigan. We can give them Northwestern. Like I think Northwestern would sign up to play Michigan. Like, hey, come to Chicago twice every mm-hmm. two times every four years. Like that, I think would be. I think if you're Michigan, you're like, yeah, we'll we'll. We'll, we'll take Northwestern. You could also try to do like a, a Rutgers. You could try to do, a, um, you know, Indiana. What are, what are you thinking for Michigan? I think, I think Northwestern could fit. I was listening to the Andy Staples podcast, and Scott Dockerman, who works for The Athletic, does, does a lot of this stuff for the Big Ten on The Athletic. He said you're going to be surprised at the amount of teams that probably lobby to play Northwestern strictly so that they can play in Chicago at, uh, every yeah. two years. Because yeah. it is a huge recruiting ground. Apparently, uh, Michigan State's AD lobbied for them to be their protective rival when they went to East-West divisions so that they could play Northwestern every year so they had access to Chicago recruiting. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that could work. Um, and they're probably Michigan, not to toot their horns, but Michigan and Northwestern are probably the two best academic schools in the Big Ten. Yeah. So um, I could be, yeah, that could work for me as well. All right, so let's let's down. pencil in. Yeah, so for Ohio State, we have Michigan, Penn State, Illinois. For Michigan, we have Ohio State, Michigan State, Northwestern. Um, we have three teams on my sheet right now that have two opponents. Minnesota has Wisconsin and Iowa. I guess technically then Wisconsin would have Minnesota and Iowa too. Let me put Iowa down for uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, I would say if um, – yeah, I'm going to put Wisconsin – I want to play. I mean, this is the fan in me. Like, I want to, those are the two teams. I don't care who our third is, as long as we're playing Minnesota and Iowa every year. Like, I'm so happy. Iowa. Then I basically have finished. I have Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Is that basically done for Iowa? Do Do we think Iowa's going to like want not bigger brand than Nebraska or Minnesota? I guess oh, they're big, but like, is Iowa going to want like a Penn State? Is Iowa going to want no. a uh, no? They. Like, these would be the three, like, um, these would be the three. Going back to that podcast, Scott Dockerman, who covers Iowa, said those will be the three teams that Iowa will want to play every year. Okay. Um, and that fans will be. So, yeah, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, that's who they just have the most history with. Okay. Uh, and the programs are just identical, too. But, yeah, I think – so I think Iowa's done. That's who right. I would give. That's who I Iowa's would give. Iowa's done. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do your Wisconsin Badgers. Right now we have Minnesota and Iowa for them. I initially had for Wisconsin – I had uh, – hang on, let me scroll over. I had Minnesota, Iowa, and Penn State. Feels like the Wisconsin-Penn State game is always big. It's two of the upper middle tier of the Big Ten. Um, now, Penn State, we have them already having Ohio State. So if we give Penn State Wisconsin, we probably need to give Penn State like a pretty light, like a Purdue or an Indiana. Um, what I mean, I'll kind of really reserve this to you for as the Wisconsin alum. What who do you want for Wisconsin? I'm fine playing any like you mentioned with the 12 team playoff. I don't really care if I'm Wisconsin. I don't really care who the th- like if they're three like if that third one is really tough. Um, I'd embrace it. I would love Penn State. They like you mentioned, there's been a lot of close games between us. We just haven't played each other really that often. Um, two yeah. years ago, they it was the first time in eight years Penn State played at Camp Randall Stadium. 
So maybe that's, uh, I just think, uh, and they both have kind of, I think if you were to tier the Big Ten, I think Wisconsin and Penn State would be kind of in that same, probably second tier behind Michigan and Ohio State. So I would love that. Uh, My thing is, is kind of looking at it here is with USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten, did you want any of them to have like a heavy crossover for them too? Like, do you want them playing? I thought about that too. An Ohio State, a Penn State, a Wisconsin, a Michigan, Michigan State for those. I feel like, I feel like Penn State playing one of USC or UCLA makes a lot of sense. Because I do think if you're USC, like I gave USC, UCLA, Nebraska, and Purdue. So I kind of gave UCLA, like USC, Nebraska is like the big brand Mm -hmm. from the Big Ten. But I feel like you could go bigger. I just, if you're Penn State, like the way USC is trending, do you want to play Ohio State, USC every year? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you you get to go to LA every other year. I get that. Like, I don't know. Like, that's the question of, like, if you're Penn State, do you would you rather play Wisconsin or USC? I feel like competitively, you'd probably rather play Wisconsin, but, like, brand-wise, maybe USC? Well, and you think about it, too. I just think it, it would be funny because how many years did we hear that USC was going to go after James Franklin um, and how there was mutual interest every that's year? That's so true. Um, but if you're USC, I mean, USC might not have much, but do you want to travel? Do you want to for sure travel to the, like you're, you're guaranteeing you're going to have, you know, you're, you're going to be flying and traveling to Penn state every year where you know, you're already going to be losing three hours. You're going to be playing an East coast game. Um, but it, you know, it, it might not matter. Uh, but I think that would be, I think that would be a fun game. And I think Penn state would sign up for one of those two, you just might have to give Penn state an easier third opponent. If you're going to like a Maryland or a Rutgers or something like that. All right. So how about this? Let's do USC Penn state. I like that. I think that's something new that could be fun. Um, because for USC now, then you have UCLA, which I think is a middle tier, you know, middle tier team and Penn state, which is an upper middle. And then for Penn state, like we, I think we either give them Indiana or Rutgers um, to round out. Here. You want to give them? Yeah, right now we only have Purdue. Let's give them. Uh, let's give them Rutgers then, just so that okay. they have another East Coast team. Because I was going to say, I originally, I think I had Penn State in mine. I had Penn State playing Ohio State, Maryland, and Rutgers. So I think it's good to give them one of those uh, those East Coast teams. Yeah, I had Penn State originally as Michigan State, Indiana, Wisconsin. I did not have them playing mm-hmm. Ohio State, but I, I definitely I think like this a little bit better. Um, all right, so right now we have four teams full. We have Michigan. We have Michigan. They're playing Ohio State, Michigan State, Northwestern. Ohio State's playing Michigan, Penn State, Illinois. Penn State's playing Ohio State, USC, Rutgers. Iowa playing Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Uh, we have Illinois, Northwestern, and Wisconsin, each with two teams as well. Uh, everyone else has one team. Do you want to uh, – let's finish Wisconsin. So okay. I think the games that make sense for Wisconsin, you could do UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. You could do a Michigan State. You could do Purdue. You could do Nebraska. As well, I think Nebraska still only has Iowa right now. What are you? What, what are you thinking for Wisconsin? 
so I don't want Nebraska, and this is nothing against Nebraska fans. <laughs> I think when Nebraska joined the Big Ten and we were in the same division with them in the Big Ten West, I think a lot of people, including the Big Ten, visualized Wisconsin-Nebraska becoming like a big thing. We were their first ever Big Ten opponent. They played back in 2011 um, when Russell Wilson just absolutely diced them up. It was uh, it was amazing. But you look at the history. Nebraska's only beaten us once in like 12. We, we have a nine-game winning streak against Nebraska right now. Fans, he, Wisconsin fans just don't really care. I think they would like that to be a, a newer or fresher opponent. Um, so we're not just matched with just Big Ten West schools. Um now, because uh, the way I look at this, too, is and I think you made a good point earlier. I don't look at this as this is like these are going to be the three teams we're going to be playing for the next 50 years. I yeah. think I think your your same traditional ones are going to happen no matter what realignment happens and everything like this. Where I think for a lot of these teams, these second and third ones are probably going to change every four years, just depending yeah. on where teams are at. Um, so I would I would love for Wisconsin to have like a West coast team, whether UCLA who we played in the Rose bowl multiple times, uh, or even a Michigan state who prior to uh, realignment, uh, that was kind of a, a really good budding rivalry for kind of, once again, teams kind of on that similar tier um, and things like that. So I would personally, my bias, I would love to either play a USC, a UCLA um, or a, uh, or a Michigan State is probably who I would go with. Let's do. Um, hmm. I I really think it's between Michigan State and UCLA because yeah. USC already has UCLA, Penn State. I, th- I think USC. I think we'll give them another a, a, a different direction. Um, you want to do UCLA? Yeah, let's do it. I had us getting USC in my initial one, but that was more because I just wanted to play them, to be honest with you. Uh, but right. no, I think we have, I, uh, we have Wisconsin having Minnesota, Iowa, and UCLA. I love it. I love it. All right, so we let's try to fill in the we, – we have a couple teams we only have one team for. Let's try to yeah. give Michigan State another team here. We have Michigan for them. Um, options for Michigan State. We have Maryland and Indiana as we kind of keeping them in the what was the Big Ten East. Um, we also theoretically could give them Rutgers. Um, mm-hmm. We also have Purdue available. Nebraska right now only has one team as well. So I think if I'm Michigan State, like I have Michigan already. I'm not getting Ohio State. I'm not getting Penn State. I would like to see Michigan State with like an upper level middle class team like a Nebraska. <sighs> Like a Nebraska, I was going to say Maryland or Nebraska or Purdue. What do you think makes the most sense, Purdue or Nebraska? Let me see. Well, like Purdue, so to me, Purdue, I would for sure have Purdue playing Illinois as well. Interesting. Okay. Um, their, campuses are, their campuses are only 90 minutes apart, so it's extremely close. Um, and they've been playing each other now for annually because they're east-west. Um, so I think that one makes – a lot of sense too. I had uh, for Illinois. I had Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State. So I think that makes a lot mm. of sense. Um, so let's do uh, that. Finishes let's, Illinois yeah. for us. That gives a Northwestern, yeah. Purdue, and Ohio State. So let's do that. So Purdue gets Indiana and Illinois, um, and then Michigan State. You want to get a Nebraska? Yeah, let's give them Nebraska. 
because I, I agree with your sentiment. I think that's another good mid-tier, but I think it's another, um, I think it's for Nebraska. It's another school that's had a lot of success in the Big Ten. That's won Big Ten championships yeah. that you're going to be able to play every year, especially with Matt Rule there. Um, it gives you another matchup that you're going to be excited about um, each season. Um, wow. Let's see here. So, so right much, now we have four teams only have well actually three teams only have one opponent maryland indiana actually just maryland and in maryland and indiana theoretically could give those teams each other as their yes. second you want to do that yeah okay indiana and maryland okay um so everyone has two at two. least two and a lot of teams have three so the teams just to just a quick recap um the finished teams we have Ohio State, we have Michigan, Penn State, Illinois. Michigan gets Ohio State, Michigan State, Northwestern. Penn State gets Ohio State, USC, Rutgers. Uh, Wisconsin gets Minnesota, Iowa, UCLA. Iowa gets Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Illinois gets Northwestern, Purdue, and Ohio State. Um, my thought was, let's who who do we like for USC's third crossover? Uh, third, third permanent. We have UCLA and Penn State right now. I'm almost thinking a Purdue or Minnesota for them, mm. or like a Maryland. But I feel like Maryland's a really far trip. I agree. Them. I had so this one was weird, um, but I somehow got when I did it. I gave them Northwestern. Ooh. Um, this is because so USC right now plays Stanford every year. They're the two private schools in the Pac-12. Um, they played each other over a hundred times. This would pit the two private schools in the big 10 on an annual thing. And I think if you're Northwestern, like you've got alumni everywhere um, going, it, it would unite Chicago versus LA. Cause we all know Northwestern is Chicago's big 10 team. Obviously. So obviously. Obviously. <laughs> everyone there wears purple. Um, do, so that's, do that's kind of, do we just think that that's too hard though for Northwestern? Like, would Northwestern sign up for Penn, for um, who do they have? They, they have um, they have uh, Michigan and and USC every year. It might be, okay yeah. But like in that, for Northwestern, would you rather like? It's, it's essentially it's, it's a competitive thing, right? If you're Northwestern, yeah. would you rather have USC marquee game? You're probably going to play that on a bigger network, more exposure, less winnable, or would you rather have? You know, would you rather have uh, Rutgers? Would you rather have Maryland? Would you rather have Michigan State? Um, I I just don't know. And that's this is one of those discussions of like what yeah. is going to matter more. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I was going to say with because UCLA needs another opponent too. You, um, so UCLA right now is USC, Wisconsin. So those are kind of two upper level programs in the conference. Nice. Uh, the the joke has always been, you know, UCLA is going to play like Rutgers and just have the longest like road trip. <laughs> um, I, I I think realistic options for UCLA's third opponent would be Minnesota, Purdue, or Indiana, hmm. or maybe I, Michigan State. But I almost think Michigan State's too hard. Like USC, Wisconsin, Michigan State's a tough three game stretch. That is, um, Minnesota would just be hilarious, just because. I think the other thing we always say is like, can't wait till one of these California teams have to play like Minnesota in like the middle of November when it'll be yep. like 30 degrees up there. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, we could do that. Um, if that's like, if that's kind of a, a middle tier, you could do that for, for USC as well. Um, yeah. I think we give, to. I think we give Minnesota one of USC or UCLA. So I'll let you, Let's, which, which one do you want? Oh man. Oh man. Um, Dakota's our friend Dakota's going to love this. I get to choose Minnesota's fate. This is well, and also consider like I. Minnesota has Wisconsin and Iowa right now. Yeah, so they're they're playing like two. They don't have like necessarily like a heavy heavyweight, but they have like two three. But they have two good teams for sure on their schedule every year that are going to be routinely good. Um, So let's give them USC. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Welcome to the new Big Ten, Minnesota. You got to play Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, and USC every year. I had uh, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State for Minnesota, and then I had USC, Nebraska, Purdue for. Uh, I'm sorry, I had UCLA, Nebraska, Purdue for USC. But I'm yeah, definitely I definitely like our. I I like our combined work more than my own. <laughs> so I I also had either Nebraska or Purdue for UCLA. If you wanted to put one of those teams in there. Um, wait, say that, say that, sorry, say that one more time. So I also, for UCLA, um, if we wanted to finish that one, I also had, I had either, I had, in my thing, I had US, I had USC, Nebraska, and Purdue. So we could put either Nebraska or Purdue, um, for that, that last spot. I would think if we're going competitive balance, I would probably, cause right now Nebraska has Iowa in Michigan state. I would um, where I Purdue has Illinois and Indiana. Yeah, let's do Purdue for UCLA. And I figured that one is also it's in the Eastern Time Zone, but like barely. Like they're like the closest um, Eastern Time Zone school to UCLA or to both of those schools. So it wouldn't uh, be you'd be changing time zones, but the flight would be drastically less. Right. All right, so six teams still need a game. Northwestern, Rutgers, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State need it, need games. Let's go Michigan State. Michigan State has Michigan and Nebraska, two big brands. I say Michigan State, we either give them Indiana or Rutgers or Maryland. I think one of those three teams. So I had... Uh, in my when I ran through it, I did have Indiana playing Michigan State because right now Indiana just has Purdue, Purdue and Maryland, in Maryland. Um, and they play. I think they play. Oh yeah, they play. Reason why I didn't want to continue this, they've actually played each other sixty nine times, so they could just end their series right now, and it would nice. be perfect. <laughs> so, it would be a nice series. Um, but we can put we can do Indiana. Yeah, let's do Indiana. Uh, I, I think that gives so that gives Michigan State, Michigan, Nebraska, Indiana, two kind of big brands at different tiers of the conference. I think it's good for them, and it gives Indiana, Purdue, which is kind of their traditional rival, Maryland, and Michigan State, two kind of middle tier, upper tier programs. So I, I think that fits really well. Um, all right, so Northwestern right now. We talked about how everyone wants to play Northwestern. I think the. I think what makes the most sense for Northwestern is probably probably Nebraska. Yeah, that's what I was going right. to say. Um, I think if I think if you're Northwestern, it gives you another 
uh, it gives you kind of a quote unquote, I guess you could say helmet school, like a big brand in Nebraska, but like Northwestern has played them. Their only win this year was Nebraska. Um, so they've actually okay, had some good success. Hang on a second. Okay. So that means that we have Maryland and Rutgers both need a game, but both of our, uh, both we already have for each Shoot. other. Unless so I, we got to, nope, nope, you are correct. You are correct. Um, shoot. So we have to give, so Northwestern and Nebraska can't play each other. They got to play either Maryland or Rutgers. Yep. Dang, I think did this perfectly. I think Northwestern probably give them Rutgers because um, they are going to be playing Illinois and Michigan. It gives them a school that's in like New York, like New York centric, I guess. Um, so you would have kind and, of like and a. New- I, and I do think if you're Rutgers, it gives you Maryland, which is like, a, sorry, Maryland's like a middle tier. And then, it, and then you play Penn State, which is pretty high tier. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then Nebraska, Maryland. Yeah. Boy, this was this was interesting. All right, so I feel like, Nebra- I feel like ne- Nebraska fans are gonna hate this. Like, I think Nebraska they're gonna just get, gets I, a, I, they get very weird ones. But like, that's that's what's gonna happen, though. Happen, right? You're yes. going to have. I mean, th- there are like like I said earlier, there are teams, and this is easy. Iowa, easy. Wisconsin, easy. Michigan, easy. Like, but then there are teams like Nebraska. What do you do with Nebraska? Like, you could you could give Nebraska half the league. You could give them Wisconsin. It makes sense. You yeah. Could give them. You could give them Minnesota. It makes sense. You could give them like USC or UCLA because they're the closest to you. Like, I I do wonder. I think Nebraska probably ends up with one of the West Coast schools because it's the closest geographic. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's definitely it's probably a half the flight from like Rutgers essentially. I agree, and because I initially gave them to UCLA because I did read like out of all the schools in the Big Ten, UCLA has played Nebraska like thirteen or fourteen times, like by far the most. Yeah. So I figured, and we could give them a natural rivalry, but and it could be. And like I said, I think the one thing that's in my head is like it can't. It's, it doesn't need to be perfect because they're probably going to change these in like four years. Yeah. No. Anyway, I, I, I I I think the three permanent or not the 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 three like protected rivals should change about every, every four years. Yeah. Or four to six years. All right. So let's let's real quick, and then I'm going to ask you who do you think has it the easiest and who has it the hardest. Mm-hmm. Ohio State. They get Michigan, Penn State, Illinois. Michigan gets Ohio State, Michigan State, Northwestern. Michigan State gets Michigan, Nebraska, Indiana. Penn State gets Ohio State, USC, Rutgers. Maryland gets Rutgers, Indiana, Nebraska. Indiana gets Purdue, Maryland, Michigan State. Rutgers gets Maryland, Illinois, Penn State. Wisconsin gets Minnesota, Iowa, UCLA. Iowa gets Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota gets Wisconsin, Iowa, USC. Purdue gets Indiana, Illinois, UCLA. Illinois gets Northwestern, Purdue, and Ohio State. Northwestern gets Illinois, Rutgers, Michigan. USC gets UCLA, Penn State, Minnesota. And UCLA gets USC, Wisconsin, Purdue. Uh, Lucas, if I were to tell you which which team has the toughest three protected rivals, you would say? I would probably go with Penn State, just because they have Ohio State and USC. Yes, they get Rutgers as kind of a throw-in, but probably going to be underdogs more times than not when they play either Ohio state or USC. Yeah. Um, so I would, I probably lean them other ones that I think Minnesota's is also really tough. You get Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, 
two teams that, you know, those probably going to be toss-up games right now, but then you also get USC every year, which you're more more than definitely going to be an underdog no matter where you're playing that game. Yeah. So I would probably say that Ohio State's is also tough, but so because they're Ohio State, they can That's who I was going to say, right? Ohio yeah. State gets Michigan, Penn State. And, and you know, listen, Illinois won eight games last year. They were in position to win the West. And obviously a lot of these teams will be up and down, but you think for the most part, Michigan and Penn State are going to be really good almost every year. Yeah. Um, so I think Ohio State gets a sneaky, tough schedule. Obviously Michigan gets Ohio State, Michigan State. And then if it's an if it's an even year, Michigan might be in trouble with Northwestern coming to town. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I but I, I would probably say Penn State. I mean, you, you get Ohio State, USC; those could be two of the top five teams in the country every year every with year, how yeah. good Lincoln Riley's got it, how good Ryan Day have it there. Um, all right, which team do you think gets it probably the easiest? Um, I look at uh, where, where, where where was I looking? Where was I looking? Um. Nebraska getting Iowa, Michigan State, Maryland, mm-hmm. like Nebraska missing out on essentially Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin, yeah, and and USC, like that's a pretty nice draw for Nebraska, even though it's very wonky and 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 Nebraska is going to be a tough team to slot. Um, I look at uh, let's see, I mean Indiana getting Purdue, Maryland, Michigan State. Uh, Maryland getting Rutgers, Indiana, Nebraska. I think those are kind of some of the easier draws as well. Again, some of the, the non-traditional teams that don't have the traditional protected rival. Yeah. Right? Like Maryland, like you give them Rutgers in Indiana, like Maryland's like, hell yeah, sign us up. And Nebraska, <laughs> like Maryland might be the answer here, right? Because they get Rutgers in Indiana from the east, and then they get they miss Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. Like Maryland really probably makes out really good. And especially considering where they're coming from, like – the fact that their protect their uh, their annual opponents aren't going to include Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Yeah, and instead it's just going to be Nebraska or uh, Rutgers, Indiana, and Nebraska. Especially because you know I think they're kind of on the up and up under Mike Loxley. They've gone to a couple bowl games these last few years, but no, I I would agree with them, and I think that you can make an argument that maybe that's how it it should be. Like your lower teams should play them because their record would look better. It gives them a chance to kind of elevate their programs. Um, and then in four years, Maryland, maybe they just play Rutgers, and then you slot Penn State and yep. like Michigan in those slots too, if they're getting better. So, um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think their slate is um, is the most, and I think Nebraska's is, is interesting. If they do turn around under, uh, under Matt Rule, we could look at theirs as being fairly... Very yes. good too, because like you mentioned, it they don't really have necessarily a heavy hitter uh, in the Big Ten um, on their annual schedule. All right, man. Any uh, any final thoughts here? I'm trying to think. Well, let's just wrap up. The easiest team to do this was Iowa, right? Yes. Iowa slot in Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota. They'll be very happy with that, right? Yes. Iowa gets to keep um, a big rival with Nebraska, Wisconsin. Then they get Minnesota as well. Nobody from the East. The most difficult teams to do this for, I think, was like the bottom half of the East, like Maryland, Indiana, Rutgers. Mm-hmm. It was like, what do we do with Maryland, especially with Maryland? Because they, they really don't have a traditional, like, even Indiana has Purdue that you could just fill them in with with yes. uh, one team. Certainly USC and UCLA. Um, you know, listen, USC is going to get UCLA, Penn State, Minnesota. Like, that's, that's pretty challenging, right? You know, mm-hmm. UCLA has got USC, Wisconsin, Purdue. Purdue won the West last year. 
Wisconsin perennial really good program in that conference. So this was fun. Any final thoughts here before we uh, we sign off? No, I like the overall makeup. I think you get. Uh, I think we get a lot of teams that we want to be seen play every year, and I think like I think it it does even out fairly well. Um, and like you mentioned, there are going to be people that aren't going to be happy with the slot. Like I have an impending fear that they're not going to make Wisconsin Iowa a rotating thing. Um, yeah. That's my biggest fear. But um, no, I think it rounds out well, and I would be happy if this was what they what they laid out. Um, and I'm just happy in general because even the teams that were you're not going to be playing every year, you're going to be guaranteed to at least have a home and away the next four seasons. And that's the thing, right? Like that's the thing that even is nice with these this format. You're not going to have a situation where I mean the Big Ten they play nine games, but like you have the ACC and the SEC where you play one team every like six years. Yeah. Right. And and for, like for a lot of coaches, like you don't last six years in those conferences, so you're never playing a team from the other division, home or road. Like, I think there was a stat. Dave Clawson's been at Wake like 10 years. He's played one road game, like, at Pitt, basically, yeah. like 10 years. Like, you just don't – it's really hard to to get a full conference, like, identity when you're only playing certain teams once in, like, a half decade. What is it? Georgia still has not visited Texas A&M since yeah. they've been in the big – since they've been in the SEC, and it's been going yeah. on about 12 years now. <laughs> yeah. Still haven't made a road trip to College Station. That's yeah. just wild. Just nuts to me. So, yes, these – scheduling even with the imperfections they're still going to be much much better i believe than what we currently on and we'll probably more than likely get the two best teams in the big 10 championship game every year uh, uh ditching divisions as well yep all right all right buddy thanks for doing this for me thanks for hanging out on president's mm-hmm. day it was fun give my best to hannah and the dogs and uh we'll talk soon yeah oh wait oh, one second just make sure to follow us if you like yep. the podcast you follow us at Running for uh, Running for Roses um, on Twitter, um, and you can also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you get your podcast. Love it, love it. Mm-hmm. For Lucas Rodi, I'm Ryan Baffalubis. Thank you all for listening, and uh, stay frosty. Mm-hmm.